welcome to another Ministry Pivot. Uh, Reverend Russ, so excited to have you here. I wanted to uh, just thank everyone who was able to be a part of our New Year uh, Pivot series with uh, Dr. Nicole uh, Martin, with Bishop Thomas, and with Pastor uh, Matthew Watley. Again, shout out to uh, Givelify for partnering with us, but thank you all for being on uh, that and being a part of that New Year uh, pivot. Hopefully it was helpful. If you haven't uh, heard of it, just go back uh, into the episodes. Uh, it's live now, so you can go back into the episode. The show notes are coming soon. Uh, there was a lot of information. It was over two hours, uh, almost over two hours of conversation. Uh, and that conversation led uh, to a bunch of rich uh, information and input. And so we're working through uh, those show notes. Uh, so that will happen. Then I wanted to also say that I know today uh, we're going to talk with my good friend, uh, Pastor Christopher Harris, talking about staffing. Uh, but uh, before we go on, Pastor Christopher Harris, I wanted you to know uh, that we are starting a new uh, Ministry Pivot series called Ministry Pivot Calling. Uh, and, and we're going to be talking with some thought leaders, some friends of mine uh, who are uh, in great positions in the world, uh, great positions uh, out there, and uh, but who are Christian, who know uh, what God is and who God is rather, uh, and they are going to be sharing uh, with us. And so it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, the first one up is a very close friend of mine, uh, Samantha Silawani, uh, aka uh, Baby Sam, aka uh, Sam the Hype Beast. Uh, and so uh, she is a awesome leader over at RCA uh, Records, and she'll talk more about that. But we're going to talk about her faith journey, talk about uh, how her job is her ministry, uh, talk about how uh, God is impacting her where she is. And we have several uh, thought leaders. We have Aaron Spears uh, coming. We have Terrell Daniels uh, coming. We have a lot of thought leaders, and I'm super excited about those. But now uh, I want you to get ready for a conversation that we're talking about staffing, again, with Pastor for Christopher Harris. Uh, and you'll hear more about who he is and what uh, he's done as we look at staffing in this new year. Uh, come on now, let's talk to Pastor Christopher. Welcome to another episode of Ministry Pivot. I'm Reverend Russ, uh, super excited to have you uh, with us again on today. Uh, it's a new year. Uh, we're super excited for all that God did in uh, 2020, even though it was very interesting, uh, very nuanced for all of us. Uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in 2021. I have a great friend, a great guest uh, today with me. Uh, Pastor Christopher Harris uh, is with us, uh, and I'm super excited to have Pastor Christopher with us. Pastor Christopher uh, and I uh, actually go back years online. Uh, we uh, knew through digital, uh, and now everything's digital. Uh, so, uh, but Pastor Christopher is a awesome leader, awesome pastor, uh, awesome entrepreneur, awesome author. Uh, he has done a, a, a plethora of work uh, in, in ministry and also in business and also in education. Uh, pastor Christopher currently uh, serves with uh, Crossover Church, uh, and he is there as the executive pastor there. He has served at uh, Fellowship Church. Uh, in Chicago. He's also uh, served and is serving, I believe still, he'll lay out more of this with the full gospel uh, fellowship. Pete Pascal has a ton of information, a ton of knowledge, ministry experience. Uh, today, we're going to talk about staffing. Uh, he also is uh, lead of a staffing organization, uh, which we'll talk some about in our uh, conversation today. Uh, but I'm not going to say a little bit more about what Pastor Christopher is going to uh, about about who he is, because he's here. Uh, and so, Pastor Christopher, if you can uh, just give us a little bit about your background, man, and I'm glad to have you with us today on Ministry Pivot. Man, Pastor Russ, what's going on, man? First of all, thank you for having me on. Um, as you mentioned earlier, man, you and I go back a few years, and I just got to say publicly uh, that man, back a few years ago, 
uh, you 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 were you were shaming all of us because you were pushing out like 20 books a year and made the rest of us look lazy. Then here's a brother that's starting his own publishing firm for ministry books and Christian books. Uh, you worked with actually a family member of mine, uh, Lisa, oh. and uh, you were helping Lisa get her books together. And I'm like, yeah, this, this guy is killing it. I got to get on my oh, game. Man. So Praise I just God. want to say say kudos to you, man. Appreciate uh, your influence and appreciate what God is doing through you and in you and how he's leveraging that. So, um, yeah, man, um, man, I've, I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed over the last few years uh, to be able to do some things that I really love doing. As you mentioned, I'm an executive pastor uh, at Crossover Church. Uh, we're in Tampa, Florida. Uh, we're a healthy, multi-ethnic, multi-class, multi-generational uh, church. My lead pastor is Pastor Tommy Colonin. And uh He's a pioneer in the Christian hip hop movement. And so, man, we are very, very fortunate to be able to work together um, and be able to do ministry the way that we do it. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I, I literally every single day get to help do system structures and strategies um, and, and help to build the kingdom of God in that way. We have a network as a part of our church. It's called the Flavor Fest Network. So I get the opportunity to network with pastors on a regular basis, which allows me to put my other hat on um, as a church consultant. I've been able to do that for the last a uh, few years or so, uh, just really helping churches navigate those incredible conversations. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, I've been a, a part of Full Gospel uh, Baptist Church Fellowship since 2003 uh, for uh, almost, well, for a little over a decade, I served as a general overseer. That's a term that we use uh, in the fellowship, but I served over, I oversaw um, internationally our children and youth ministries and uh, all the children and youth pastors that, that go along with that. And then I've since transitioned out of that role, uh, was able to name my successor and, and get him acclimated. He's doing an incredible job. Um, and, and now I'm, I'm really helping the fellowship to navigate uh, vision implementation and strategy, um, being able to work directly with our headquarters and with our presiding bishop, Bishop Joseph Walker. And so that's that's really a blessing. So as you can tell, like, I, you know, I, I'm fortunate because, man, I've got my feet in worlds that normally don't crisscross. Uh, exactly. And, I, you know, I don't take that for granted, man. As a matter of fact, it's you know, I have a list of things that I thank God for daily. And that's one of the things that I thank God for daily that I that I have not been boxed in by affiliation or denomination that God's really been able to give me grace to do that. And then of course, uh, this uh, last year rather, uh, Martin Luther King weekend, um, I was able to uh, officially pull the trigger and launch a platform called diversechurchjobs.com, which helps people of color in ministry find incredible ministry opportunities. And we can probably talk a little bit more about that later. No, that's great. That's great. That's great. And I, I told y'all, uh, so he has a bunch of hats. I don't know if you heard, but I heard like eight hats just now. No, um, that man. He's wearing, no. And that but, is awesome. But I, I didn't talk about my podcast and I didn't talk about my books. My books. See you're that? the reason I got books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what's up, man. All of us. All of us. That's what's up, man. I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I'm excited about it. Um, but so so what, what I wanted to do was I wanted us to couch the conversation around um, within a new year. Um, we're uh, moving forward. God has been kind. We know uh, about COVID. Obviously, we know about the vaccine, uh, but we also know that church is different. Um, and, and we know that churches have to pivot. Uh, and one of the areas that churches ha have to pivot in, really have to pivot in, is when it comes to who's on their team and staffing. And so uh, my first kind of question to you, uh, Pastor Christopher, I want you to kind of help us uh, kind of think through that is uh, what does the church staff look like 
after COVID or in COVID, because we're not after COVID just yet. I don't, I don't even know when we're going to be able to say after COVID, because I know people who have, uh, they, 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 they're calling them long haulers who they've had it and now they've been uh, uh, away from uh, having having COVID, but they're still dealing with issues. And so I'm not sure when it's going to be over, but what does staffing look like now? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so first of all, I think, you know, um, many people that's outside of the church space may not know that when you serve on a church staff, in many cases, you're, you're generally not just wearing one hat. In many cases, you're wearing multiple hats at the same time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, contrary to popular belief, um, the, the average church is not a mega church. The average church doesn't have, you know, a staff of 20, 30, 40, 50 people. Um, the average church size probably lends itself to, to an average staff about of, of probably 10 or less. Right. Yeah. And those 10 people are doing the job of 30 or 40 um, and then some. I think the the the, the pivot, the distinction uh, now in a, in a COVID era is that uh, staffs, pastors, leaders are having to be what I would call presentation ambidextrous, right? Um, <laughs> and to be ambidextrous means that you can use both hands, right? I get you. Uh, yeah, fluidly. Yeah, yeah. So on yeah. one hand, you got your, your audience where pre-pandemic you were serving they were primarily brick and mortar. The goal was to get people to the building. The goal was was to offer services in the building. The goal was uh, to get people on your campus. The goal was to get people aware of what you were doing in your building, et cetera, et cetera. Well, now that's shifted. And while we are not forsaking the brick and mortar crowd, we have to also very intentionally and strategically think about our online audience, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm saying online audience, at our church, we've worked real hard at saying our online worshipers, right? Because yeah. they're not just an audience. The, this is this is real life, right? These folks yeah. are literally worshiping digitally online. Yeah. And so all of us can acknowledge then that part of what that means then is, is that uh, we've had to recalibrate how we create margin in our lives because now ministry literally is 24 hours a day, literally. Yes. Right. So now we, we can we can no longer just say I can't I can't uh, I can't check my inbox. Right. On social media. Uh, we're, we're now, you know, uh, getting phone calls on a regular basis. We've got to return to voicemails. Right. We've got to pay attention to the emails that are coming in. Uh, you got to pay attention to social media. And in a real sense, we're having to figure out what our capacity is to do ministry every single day, whether that's through video, whether that's through posting creating content, the whole nine yards. And so what that looks like from a staffing standpoint, number one, you know, every church has got to make sure that your people by themselves are healthy, right? Yeah. Are your are your people healthy? Are they healthy emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, et cetera, et cetera? Because if you're not healthy, this expanded capacity is going to crush you, right? Yes. Uh, it's going to crush you. Uh, my brothers and sisters, uh, you know, third John two. I pray above all things that that would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So yes. so our souls have to be healthy. Our minds have to be healthy. Our bodies have to be healthy. And so pastors are going to have to be intentional. Of course, many of us know about uh, the emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, that's a yes. foundational level at this point now to make sure yes. that your people are healthy. Uh, the celebration of discipline, another book that is powerful uh, to make sure that your life and your rhythms are good. And, and as leaders and churches pivot to do those yep. things, 
Then here's what's even more important now. And, and you and I both know this from a ministry perspective. It can no longer from a long term standpoint be, well, I just need you to do this because it needs to be done. Now we're going to have to figure out how to get people into their sweet spot so that it can be done in a sustained way. Because if I'm yeah. doing something that I'm not good at, I can't sustain that too long. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I, let, me, let me let me add to that to that point and not even uh, in addition to doing something that I'm not good at, I can't do it too long. But if you get people in their sweet spot, as you call it, Pastor Christopher, uh, then you get people to do stuff that you wouldn't even be thinking about. That's exactly um, and right. That's what I'm seeing a lot in this season. Uh, thank God for my pastor. Shout out Pastor Watley uh, at Kingdom. Uh, we have uh, made major pivots in several areas. And one of the areas is staffing. And so we have staffers now who uh, are put in new places and they're doing things that we just didn't think about. I personally didn't think about. And it's, and it's awesome because you know they're in their spot. And I think that's the thing. I think it comes to the, uh, the, the, the parable of, of, of the talents, right? Like I give this to you, but you gave me back a return. You didn't just give me what I gave you. You gave it back with a return. And I think that's a key piece that, that, that I think I, I think I think that's awesome. Yeah, because the other thing, too, is this. Right. Number one, when you operate in your sweet spot and at our church, we call your sweet spot your shape profile. Right. So your okay. spiritual gifts, your heart's passions, your attitude, disposition, your personality and then your unique experiences. God wants to take all five of those things and make them unique to who you are. And so when you look at that in context. Right. Um in the in the past, one of the things that has taken place is when a person doesn't do what we ask them to do only, then we yeah. simply try to fire them when we actually never actually stop to consider what are they actually good at? Yeah, right? no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Pastor Chris, let me let me let me, let me ask you this this question with, with that. We, we talked a little bit uh, before before we went live. Uh, but in that, let me ask you this question. Uh, is there a such thing as a bad staff person? Uh, do we have bad staff? Is, is that is that a thing? <laughs> that, man, that's 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 such a loaded question. I know, uh, I know. Because I, know, I, I, I know. So let me just be honest and say I'm nervous because I I don't want anybody to take a sound bite of what I'm getting ready to say. Take no, that no, clip. Not, hey, and post it in their staff member, post it in their staff meeting and say, see, this is why I'm getting ready to fire y'all. <laughs> no, that's not what we're saying. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. No, but, but it's a good question. I'm, 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 we're laughing a little bit, but it's, it's a good question. Um, let me answer the question this way. Um, first of all, let me say that um, I, I think that is really important to clarify expectations in the hiring process. That's great. What, what is this person called to do? What am I expect, expecting of them to do? Uh, what are the metrics? What's the wins? Right. Uh, in the first year, here's how I want to see you win. Right. But I think more importantly, it may be healthy to not have expectations at all for the mm. first 90 days to 120 days because you all are getting in the rhythm of learning each other. OK. Right. Okay. Now, okay. Here's, here's an example. Here's an example. If Bob gets hired at a church. And let's yeah. just say that the pastor is well known. Let's just say that the pastor has a public persona that, you know, he has a social media following. He's creating content. He's got books. So let's just say he does music or just whatever. Right. But he has a public persona. Mm -hmm. So so Bob is applying 
to this church. And a part of what he's looking at also is, wow, man, he's looking at the it's almost like the the he's starstruck a little bit. Right. And yeah. I, I'm careful about using that. But you, you can track along with me mm-hmm. um, when he gets hired on this job. He may walk in with expectations that now I get access to this celebrity or to this well-known person. Yeah. And and I, I now I get a, a behind the scenes. I'll be able to sit down with this person on a weekly basis for a couple hours. This person's going to be a sage. Give me wisdom. Show me how to do it. You know, all of that. When, in fact, you may get hired and this person that you had a public persona of is flying high. They're flying fast. They're moving quickly. Um, they're talking to you. Uh, on the way on a plane, they're talking to you while they're at a conference. They're talking to you now while they're recording podcasts or, or, or yeah. virtual sessions. And, and yeah. so you look up and you say, wait a minute. Um, I'm not getting access to this person like I thought. Right. This person expecting you to, to produce like you are yeah. hired to produce. So I, so I think it's important to get into a rhythm of learning each other and clarifying those expectations. But here's, I think, the second thing that's really critical. And this is not many people will try to uh, put this on a particular generation, but I think it's multi-generational. And that is, is the staff person teachable? If they are teachable, does your church and your cadence and the culture of your church position them to win as they are learning? Because if you're already at a place where you need people to produce and they should already know and they need to get mentored from somewhere else, then it may not be the season for them. So timing is critical. The culture of the church is critical. And and that, to me, are the more important realities to look at than just trying to determine is this is this a bad staff person. That's good. That's good. And I, I was uh, I, and, and I, the question came and, and we spoke a little bit about this because I took a uh, executive leadership course at. Uh, Georgetown a couple years back. And one of the things in an HR cohort, uh, an HR section of the cohort, uh, it was talking about how the ownership of HR is on the organization. Um, that there, in, in essence is not uh, really a bad staff person, uh, but it's us being able to utilize. Now, let me just say, and I, I don't want the soundbite to be taken the other way, right? Pastor Russ said, uh, Reverend Russ said, there's no bad staff person. You work with everybody. Some people you work with, but some people at the end of the day, right, we're all accountable to God, right? So at the end of the day, while I've been blessed to serve at a church, uh, and I thank God for that, uh, at the end of the day, I, I ultimately serve God, right? Ultimately, I want to make God happy with my service. I, I, it's just in the vehicle of me being at Kingdom Fellowship or the vehicle of me being uh, wherever I am. But at the end of the day, that's so, uh, because there are some people who will just, and we know this, I work uh, no offense to anybody who works for the government, but I work for the government, uh, and and it, it's a different animal. Uh, you kind of just uh, you you clock in, and that's it. Like all you gotta do is clock in. In in some regards, not all organizations. Let me to say that because I don't want to take that snippet either and use that somewhere else. But the point is that uh, staffing and HR is really on the organization to use the gifts of the human resource that yeah. we have and try to point them in the right way. And so to Pastor Chris's point, there needs to be a plan. There needs to be some level of metric, some level of goal, because that's going to help the overall organization. Uh, You letting someone go is not helping the overall unless they just cannot cut it. They cannot do it. And there are those people out there. They know who they are, unfortunately. Um, They just want to do their part. And and if you're that person listening to me, I don't want you to feel like I'm I'm trying to uh, condemn you. What I'm saying is like you need to. We don't we're not supposed to wake up to go to work, to go to work, to get a check. 
We have a purpose. We have a calling. You should be in a space where your calling is activated when you work, where your calling is activated. You're excited and you see growth. That's what Pastor Christopher and I are talking about, that uh, churches and organizations need to have those people that they push. Because at the end of the day, if uh, we don't have any bad staffers, then it's just us having bad programs for them late. But at the end of the day, it's gonna it's gonna add up to a bad organization. And that's not gonna be helpful for anybody. Go ahead. Pastor Russ, let me just mention, um, I, have, I have seen individuals who were hired by our church, did mm -hmm. not do well at that particular church, either left, fired, you know, what have you, transitioned out of that place and go to an entirely different space and thrive in that other space. Yeah. yeah. That 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 doesn't mean that the first place was a bad place. There, there could have been a mixed match. Right. Yes, and good. so what's important is, which is part of one of the things that we do with diversechurchjobs.com, is we're we're not in the business of just trying to make a quick hire. Right. Yeah. Uh, because the, I think, you know, the numbers already prove the economic impact of a bad hire. So we already are yeah. clear of that. The goal is to make sure that there's a match in in, in cadence and culture and in, in credibility, that, that there's a match in the vision. There's a match in, you know, because essentially when you are hiring a person at your church. Yeah. The image that I use often is, is that your church is already on the interstate going 85. You <laughs> now have a person coming on the own ramp and they're merging into this speed. Yeah. If you don't do that the right way, there's going to be yeah. some accidents. And That's so good. it's important for us to think through those matches and make, making sure that there's a synergy that, that's happening and not just, yeah. I just need to fill a slot, which yeah. we know the church world is notorious for saying, I just need to fill a slot. So exactly, exactly, exactly. Let me let me ask you this question that, that, that leads into this. We don't have many uh, more of these, but me, let me ask you this question. The 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 is it uh, I had this this thought, right? It, to hire or not to hire, right? So so with 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 that last thought, right? Bad staff, good staff, knowing that it helps the organization. Uh, in this season where we are, uh, pre post COVID kind of in between moving through, we don't know what's going to happen necessarily when some churches are open in some places, some churches are not open. Uh, mm -hmm. what does that look like? And depending on when the person watches this, things may have shifted altogether, but what are some keys really is what this means for churches to understand when it's time to hire or when it's time to really just look at, uh, who you may have in your volunteer servant base and kind of train them up. Yeah. So I, I think you I think, you know, and obviously, I mean, there's so many thousands of variables that go into this. Right. But yeah. number one, uh, and, and this is in no particular order. So I'm saying number one. But uh, first, I would say, you know, again, what is what is the personality of the people at your church? Right. Um, <clears throat> there, there are some pastors that are great preachers. Mm -hmm. They're not great bosses, right? That's good. They're not great uh, leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And the the season dictates what style and what what cadence is needed. So, what's the season in the life of your church, right? Um, I've been I've been very fortunate, Pastor Russell. If I'm very honest, I've been very fortunate, and and I don't know who all may see this, but there are people. That all over the country that know churches that I've served at, know pastors that I've served under, know places that I've served under. And, and when they hear this, they will bear this to be the truth. 
the season that I was at a church, God called me there for that season, right? And, and so it's important for people to know what season of life you're personally in, what you're bringing yeah. to the table, what, what you yeah. are not good at, right? Because everything that you say yes to, you're also saying no to something else. And you got to be clear about that, right? You got to be clear about that. Um, and, and, and some churches that I was called to, I was called there to learn certain things and not necessarily produce certain things. Yeah, there were yeah, certain churches that I was called to where I was called to produce and not necessarily learn in the sense that to be the student. Like, I mean, we're always learning, but there was much more of a of, of a of a premium on you're here now to produce, right? There yeah, were some places yeah. that I was brought in that the goal for me, or, or or spiritually speaking, was to maintain where we were so that things mm -hmm. could be stabilized. Because even when things are growing. People may be growing. There are certain seasons where God may have your church just in a season where let's let's just let's just kind of keep things going right now so that we can firm up our, our systems and firm up our infrastructure, just whatever else. So all of that, I'm, I'm getting to your point of the question that, that it's, it's critically important to see where you are practically, where you are spiritually. Yeah. Right. The leaders, yeah. the staff, where is the staff culture right now? Because if you start adding people to your staff, but your staff culture is toxic or it's cancerous, right? Now you're bringing in uh, new sales to a cancerous body. <laughs> and that's, that's, yeah. that's a problem, right? So yeah. you yeah. really need to make sure those things are in place. You, you would be surprised, Pastor Russell, uh, how many pastors I've spoken with who look to hire and bring new staff members on and they literally don't have the financial capacity to do it. Like literally, like when you look at their budget, they literally have not properly budgeted for the position of what they're asking this person to do. You know, it's, it's almost wow. like if you were if you were to, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a role that that uh, that many of us would would understand. So it's almost like if you were to hire an accountant and, and the going rate for an accountant with a master's degree, with a CPA, with 10 years of experience um, is. I don't know, $85,000, right? Hypothetically, I don't yeah. know if that's the number or not. I'd have to go look. But if that was the number, you say, well, I'm going to bring in that person. I'm only going to pay them 25 or 30 because this is ministry. That This is ministry idea is not going to work because you're going to find somebody at that rate that just they have an AA with no yeah. experience and they're, yeah. they, they don't even really know what QuickBooks is yet. <laughs> that's not going to be good. Yeah, it's not going to be good. You're going to get the results from that. And so yeah, I, I think, yeah. you know, I think what's also important when we talk about capacity, we're also talking about the, the, the financial capacity. Right. And then and then lastly, um, have you made space for this person based on what you're saying that this person needs to do? So if, if a person is coming in and, and the goal is for them to build infrastructure, that means that they're going to be some growing pains. That means that they're going to be some transitioning leaders. That means that they're going to be some some uh, moving around of leaders. Maybe some ministries will, will, will get get, um, you know, what I call file 13 or, or you know, closed out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you yeah, made space for this person? Because this person is going to now you're asking this person to operate with a certain level of, of authority and they need relational capital and you know, all the things. So all of that goes into place into the conversation around hiring or not hiring. Yeah, no, that, that's good, that's good, that's good. I, I got two more that's tied to that. One is about teams and then the other is about resources. And then okay. we're gonna talk through resources. But but so 
at our church, we're we're our pastor again. Shout out, uh, Pastor Watley. We are uh, a very uh, focused on uh, empowering the people to serve. Obviously, we all do that. Uh, we're team building. We're working to get that. Everybody can do better in that. Um, but but the question is, what about teams when it comes to your current staffing, right? And then even when it comes to your volunteer base, how uh, can pastors or leaders uh, better utilize their teams? So most, yeah, most churches start off with certain roles as a volunteer, right? People that are volunteering within the church that can do it. And eventually what happens oftentimes is that the work gets so, so much that then you have to bring a professional in or you have to bring in somebody that, you know, can handle this now full time or even part time. So you start oftentimes with a volunteer, then you move to part time, then you move to full time. Um, I, I think you really, again, it's, it's about the match, right? Because again, if I'm getting a volunteer to do a job and yeah. that's not really their sweet spot, they're actually going to be creating more work for the team. Okay. Okay. And so okay. that makes sense. Here, here's a hard thing that, that, that we in church ministry have to process. How long do we go with keeping the position vacant until the Lord sends someone? <laughs> say that again say it again because they didn't hear it they they they, they, they didn't hear it no they they heard it they heard it no they heard it they it was a salah they heard it yeah yeah <laughs> right? yeah how long do we have to go with a position vacant before yeah. we put someone in there and and that's it's it's a constant tug of war right um th this is the part that is the rocket science this is the part that that is that is the mental uh, Olympics that that requires ministry to be sometimes a little bit harder than people realize beyond just Sunday, be because yeah. the, the the work of that position still has to get done, and I've got to I've got to almost limp along until the Lord sends somebody that actually is called to that role, that is passionate about that role, that has the credentials to do that role, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just talking about the volunteer part of it. And, and then I even got to make sure that I'm clarifying the expectations of this volunteer that I'm asking you to volunteer and not get paid to do this. Right. Exactly. That's good. Because yeah. because here, here's the here's the challenge that some churches have. The challenge that some churches have is that what we produce and 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 get out on Sundays is such high quality that there becomes a mystique that the church actually has more money than it has hmm. or that the church has yeah. more resources than it has. Or that somebody is going to come in from the outside and they are going to leverage access for their personal gain. And so churches and leaders are having to think through all of those dynamics. Right. Um, at our church, for example, we have a no solicitation policy and you'll be surprised at how much that has weeded out certain people from even serving in the church because they want to come in and serve. But the only reason I'm serving is because I sell insurance and I want to be able to have access to these other bonds, right? So all of that goes into all of these conversations. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm around it here because I, I wanted to talk about uh, resources and tools. And I think in this area, uh, one of the key resources and tools is literally what you do, right? It, it, it's diverse jobs, uh, diverse church jobs churchjobs.com. Uh, and so I wanted you to talk a little bit about that and kind of how churches may be able to plug in uh, with you, but just some things for them to think about as they are looking at staffing and, and anything else that we did not kind of cover in staffing that you wanted to kind of talk through. Let's, let's hit that here too. Yeah. 
So um, here's the first thing that I want to I want to say. First of all, again, thank you for the opportunity to share the platform. Um, if if I have a, a quick moment, um, yeah. I, I want to. It's easy for me to tell people what we do, right? People can actually go to our website and see what we do. Uh, I think it's important for me to just tell people for a quick moment why we do what we do, right? Sure. Um, and so, quite candidly, there are prior to us limited opportunities for people of color in ministry to find quality ministry jobs um, outside of being connected to a seminary or a denomination. And even within that, right, if if uh, you're a part of a denomination, many people now, I mean, you and I are in two different denominations, but we're friends, right? Yes. Many people now are not just boxed in by their denomination. They may be affiliated with it, but they're not boxed in by it. So even with looking at jobs through your denomination for some people becomes a limiting reality. Um, yeah. And then the other truth of the matter is, is that most people in ministry actually haven't been to seminary, right? They, they, they do, um, you know, extended learning or they do, um, you know, certificate programs. They have degrees and expertise in other areas. And they those those skill sets and that expertise is transferable into ministry. And then they have the call of God. So yeah, seminary is important, but it's not the end all be all. So if a person is not connected to either one of those pipelines, then as a person of color in particular, where do they go right now? There's two other opportunities then for them. Number one. Um, and this is, of course, outside of their own personal network. So if a person doesn't have an expansive personal network or access to a personal network, there's two other options. The, the first option is that they can go to these what I call aggregator websites for ministry jobs. Uh, I liken it to like a monster.com or a careerbuilder.com. Right. Mm -hmm. These sites, actually, they, they themselves don't produce job postings. They simply bring them in from other places and post them on their website. So they're an aggregator of data. They're pulling it in from yeah. lots of different places. And then their business model is set up that people will then pay them to make their particular postings higher on the list to be seen first. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. other opportunity then is, is staff searching firms. And th those have taken off over the last few years. There's a bunch that are out there. There's really about three or four that are that that have a huge chunk of the market share if I'm using a business term. When yeah. you go to those particular firms, they all will acknowledge that that the bulk of their work is the white church. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you're a person of color coming into those platforms looking for ministry jobs, you may find one or two churches here or there that are churches of color that are trying to navigate with them. But by and large, it's like looking for a needle within a haystack. The other reality is that many churches of color simply cannot afford engaging with those platforms because their price point is so high. Yeah. So we we are coming in right there to meet the need. And here's the most important part, Pastor Russell. I get it. I grew yeah. up in the black church context. I grew up uh, serving in churches of color. Right. I've worked with multiple denominations in the African-American context. I have yeah. served in the multi-ethnic space. I, I, I get what it looks like to live in both of those spaces, which back to my introduction, when you introduced me earlier. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have been the only black guy on an all white staff. Right. Um, so the token hire, if you would. So across yeah. that that spectrum, I, you don't have I don't. There's things that I already understand that don't have to be explained to me. And and that within itself helps us to navigate our unique niche. In, in, in that as, as diversechurchjobs.com, as a mission, as a platform, as a focus, 
our goal is to help those candidates of color, and I'm defining candidates of color, African-American, yeah. Hispanic, and Asian, to find those incredible opportunities where they are welcome. Now, when I say where they're welcome, that also means that we are working with the church. We create a profile for them to make sure that they are ready to hire candidates of color, right? Now, obviously, if they're a church of color already, then that may not be a, a, a unique nuance, but if they're bringing in a diverse candidate, then we want those churches to also be ready uh, to win. We want those candidates to be winning, to be set up. Um, so in terms of how we do what we do, all of our services, for the most part, are free to the candidate. There are some a la carte add-on services that we help folks build their resumes and other you know, career development things. But for the most part, to engage with our service, a candidate can come and they will get a complete profile done with us. And that's all for free. Uh, when, when churches engage with us, they will create an agreement with us to help underwrite the cost of the searches that we're doing for that church. And as they engage with us, we walk them through the process of what this looks like, what the salary should be like, what the job descriptions are going to be. We make sure that there's that match there, right, that there's a synergy there. And, and then we're looking into our database, uh, clearly seeing where there's alignment there. And more than anything, we are prepared to say to a church Right now, we don't have anybody in our pipeline that fits what you're trying to do, but stay with us because there's somebody that's coming, right? Or yeah. we're prepared to say to a, a candidate, hey, we've got searches that are going on, but we don't think that these fit you right now, but stay with us because there'll be, there'll an, op there'll be an opportunity that comes at the right time in the right way. Those are the kinds of tools that we're pro providing. Last thing that I'll say is we work really hard to make sure because in many cases, churches, um, Search firms, platforms make a very faulty assumption. And the faulty assumption is, is that candidates already know how to present themselves in a healthy way. Now, what a lot of people don't know is, is that pre-ministry, I also served in higher education. And one of the things that I had under my purview was career services in the career center. So I was able to sort of whip my beak and sharpen uh, my skill set to understand how to help develop people as they are working to do their career searches and their career development. So we really help to work through uh, those candidates being presented in the right and a healthy way to navigate that entire process. No, that's that's, that's great. So I, I said I said that was it. But I had one question when you said that uh, this, sure. this is the last question and we'll end on it is. It, have you seen, uh, because we're in a digital world right now, way more digital than, than we were uh, before COVID, have you seen churches making a pivot where they're in, let's say for us, we're in Maryland, right, DC area, um, but hiring someone to like be on staff who lives in Florida, but because of everything being digital now, that's something that is more uh, on the plate than it was before. Are, are you seeing that? Is that is that something that your churches should look at doing or or what? Uh, yes. So to answer your question succinctly, yes. Um, okay. Uh, all the limitations are off. Okay. Okay. All the traditional yeah. limitations are off. Uh, people are working virtually now. People are working. You know, they're serving in one state and able to to you know Skype in, Zoom in, you know, web Cisco, WebEx, whatever into staff meetings on a weekly basis. They are on staff, but they, you know, I mean, literally I, I have friends of mine um, who are you know, engaging with graphic design companies that are literally in other countries. And yeah. you would think that this person lives, you know, has an office right next door to them because they're turning things around and they're producing. So more than anything, I think it's about clarity of the vision. And then are we open to 
uh, doing things in a non-traditional context. Remember, uh, the message doesn't change, right? The methods mm -hmm. get adjusted. And I think if pastors and churches are willing to pivot with the method yeah. and, and methodology, uh, marry the message, date the method. That's good. That's good. That's good. Pastor, Pastor Christopher, man, I appreciate uh, you uh, joining me today, man, uh, and being a part of Ministry Pivot today. Uh, we are going to uh, uh, wrap out this session. But again, uh, if you are on here, uh, you can uh, make sure to follow us on Ministry Pivot. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the videos. Uh, there is a show note uh, at the bottom of where this video is or a link to the show notes uh, and all of what, not everything, because Pastor Christopher said it a whole lot. So a lot of what he said will be in the show notes, uh, but also a link to his uh, organization so that you can uh, get more contact from them, uh, but then also just so you can have information excited, again, for you to be a part of this ministry pivot. Looking forward, uh, I have some uh, good ones planned up uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, looking forward to you being a part of the next ministry pivot. Uh, until uh, we talk and I see you the next time, uh, have a great day, uh, be blessed, and remember, this is the season of opportunity. Uh, you just have to pivot toward it. God bless. Mm -hmm.